I want to talk to you today about something that I believe is more important today than I bet at any stage in any of our lives. And that is our need to keep our eyes on Jesus. You know, we are in unprecedented times. You know that you hear it all the time. And in our homes and in our cars and everywhere we go, we are surrounded by the news and the radio. And it's all talking bad news about numbers rising, about level threes and level fours and, and so on. And with all of this bad news that's going around, it's, I believe it's even causing us Christians to be fearful and anxious. You know, fear causes people not to be able to think straight. Fear causes in Christians for them to take their eyes off of Jesus. You know, at home we're doing our best. You know, we're like everyone else. We're watching the news. You know, we're looking for the numbers every day. We're, we're watching the increases. But we're, we're, we're trying to do our best. And, and every so often at home we'll just go, no, turn that off. Because we're finding that the amount of news that we're taking in is distracting us from keeping our eyes on Jesus. And every so often we'll turn off the news and we'll just refocus on God. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to refocus on God. You know, I believe the enemy's biggest weapon against believers is to get them to take their eyes and their focus off Jesus and to focus on what's going on around them. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, it says that we are as believers to cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. I think that's one of our biggest faults, isn't it? Us believers. That when there's something going on in our lives, instead of us focusing on Jesus, the solution, we focus on the problem. You see, Jesus doesn't want us just to cast some of our cares on Him. He wants us to cast all of our cares on Him. You know, He's well able. You know that, don't you? Wherever you're watching me today, I want you to know that Jesus is well able. Our Jesus, He's not a seven-stone weakling. He is the Almighty God. He is the overcomer of the world. He is our Alpha and our Omega. He is well able. He has told us that we are to cast all of our cares on Him. That means we are to throw hard and as quickly as we can every one of our cares onto Jesus because He is well able to handle them. Isn't it amazing that the Creator of the universe cares for us? Isn't that amazing? He cares for us. He's interested in you today. Sitting here in your home in Enniscorthy or Wexford or wherever you're watching, the creator of the universe is interested in you. He cares for you. He is invested in you. He's invested Jesus in you. And he doesn't want you to be fearful or anxious about anything today. He wants you to mindfully to put up barriers in your life to block the enemy out. So if the news is causing you to, to be fearful, switch off the news. Stop buying the newspapers. Stop watching or listening to the news. Put up those barriers in your life. Then Peter, he gives us a warning. He says that we are to, in verse 8, we are to be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Notice there straight away, it says he's like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He's only imitating a roaring lion. You know, the, the enemy is, is a great imitator. You know, when you watch a film, and you watch any film, you can watch in some films, 
huge violence and, and horrific things, but you know that in that film that, that's, that's causing you to be fearful and anxious, they're actors. They're not real events. You're watching a film. You're watching, most cases, you're watching special effects. And I believe the enemy is great at that. He's a special effects expert. The Word of God says he's like a roaring lion. He's masquerading as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. Amen? I want you to know that today. That our enemy that we have, he's just play acting. Oh yeah, he has power, but the only power that he has is the power that you and I as believers yield to him. And we got to stop yielding our power to the enemy. It says we are to be sober, be vigilant, be watchful. Be careful what you allow in there. Be careful of what you allow in your mind, your thought life, the thought patterns you have. Put filters, put barriers up in your life because we do have an enemy. And this enemy that we have, he can only touch the people who allow him to do so. We have to remember that the enemy has no power of his own. The only power he has is the power that you give him. Verse 9 says that we are to resist him. We are to be steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We are to resist the enemy. Resist him. We are to to put those barriers up and actively push back against the enemy in our lives. Don't allow him in. Leave no gap, leave no opening. If something is causing you to be fearful or anxious, you need to shut that thing down. If the news is causing you to be anxious, turn it off. Church, whatever you focus on will be the biggest thing in your life. I see there yesterday, I watched a a video that talked about this new telescope that the European Space Observatory is building in Chile. It's called the Extremely Large Telescope. It's been built to replace the Large Telescope, and truly that is the name that they put on it, the Extremely Large Telescope. But this telescope is going to be able to see images eight times bigger than the Hubble Telescope can see at the moment. You and I, we look at it, the stars with, with the naked eye. This telescope will be able to see things that we can't even see. It's called magnification. And in yours and in my life, whatever we put a magnifying glass on, we make it to be bigger. If you put a magnifying glass on the smallest spider, you make it look like to be a tarantula. And when you magnify stuff in your life, when, you, when your sole concentration in your life is this virus and how it's affecting us, and then it becomes bigger in your life. I'm not saying you should ignore it, but I'm saying that don't let it consume your life. And I find a lot of people today, even believers, are allowing this thing to consume their life. Whatever you focus on becomes the biggest thing in your life. How about refocusing on Jesus? Amen? When circumstances and situations come your way, Instead of looking to the world or the government or the system or even yourself, we need to turn to Jesus or turn back to Jesus if you turned away from him and then keep your eyes on him. Hebrews chapter 12, it says there in verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, we need to run our race, not inhibited by the troubles of life or the snares of the enemy, but we are to run our race with our focus and our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. How many watching here today know that if they want to thrive in this life, we've got to get rid of this idea that we're just here to survive. Jesus didn't die for us to survive. He died for us to thrive. And if we're to thrive in this life, it's going to take us having faith, trusting in the Word of God, that when we read the Word of God, we believe that this Word of God is still a living and active Word in our life. Proverbs chapter 3, it says that in verse 5, it says that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we are to acknowledge Him and He will direct our paths. In all of your ways, in all of your thoughts, in all of your, the things of life that you have, acknowledge Jesus. Focus on Him and He will direct your paths and, and, and He will lead you. He will guide you. Psalms 23, if you haven't read it, read it. It's all about God's direction and guidance for your life. God is wanting to lead you. God is wanting to guide you. Will you allow Him today? Will you allow Him to lead and guide you to places of safety and peace? Or will you allow the enemy to to continue to guide you to places of fear and anxiety. Can I let you know something? You can trust me, but don't place all your trust on me. You can trust the, the government. You can trust different things. You can trust your boss. You can trust in your bank account. But let me, let me say to you today, don't put all of your trust in, in me or, or in people in, in any sense. Because with the greatest of intentions, I probably will let you down sometime. I may not mean it, and I certainly won't mean it, but I, I may let you down sometime. The government will more than likely let you down. People will let you down, but, but we serve a God who will never let you down. We need to trust in the God that will never let you down. Put your complete trust in the author and the finisher of your faith, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who died for you, Jesus Christ. You see, as you go through life, you will come up against situations and circumstances that are designed to take you down and take you out. They're called the storms of life. And if our focus is in the wrong place, they will take you down. They will destroy you. You know, that's why the guards ban you from looking at your mobile phone or using your mobile phone when you drive. If you've ever changed a CD when you're in the car, you'll know that by the time you get the CD out of the box, and I say this with experience, you're either in the ditch or you're in the middle of the road. It's not a wise thing to do. That's why you're not allowed to do it. Why? Because your focus is off the primary need for your focus at that time, staying on the road. Amen? If we want our faith to work, it has to be totally focused on Jesus. How many runners do we have watching us today? If you're a runner, just throw it into the comments there. 
And is running easy? No. Am I a runner? No. Do I ever want? No. I'm not a runner. Running is not easy. I don't want to take up running. I'm happy just to walk. A few years ago, three of my friends and I, we entered the Dublin City Marathon. Now, we didn't enter to win. We didn't even enter to run. We entered to walk. We were going to walk this 26 miles. And I was confident that this was going to be no problem because I love to walk. And I've always walked. Everywhere I've gone, I, I, I used to, everywhere I'd go, I'd walk. I was well used to walking 14, 15, 16 miles walks. I, I used to walk nearly seven or eight miles every day. And, and in preparation for the marathon, I'd done a few 15, a few 16 mile walks. I was, for me, this, this was going to be a walk in the park. And you know what? We started out walking in the first eight to 10 miles, no problem. Even 15, 17 miles, absolutely no problem. Fresh as a daisy. And then hit the wall. 17, 18 miles, hit the wall. Still had, what did I got? Eight miles still to go. And I mean to tell you, now it was a struggle. I don't know if you've ever done the marathon, but this year in the Dublin City Marathon that we did it, uh, when we got to where the the 17, 18 mile mark was, and at this stage, I'd already left my, my three walking companions behind. I was on my own. But as, as I continued to walk, you know, the, the uh, stewards were coming out and they were taking the water stations away. They were taking the barriers down. The roads were even being started to be open again. The ambulance crews were going around picking up stragglers from the walk because at this stage, 95% of the people were finished. So everywhere around me was was things telling me, and my body was telling me, you need to give up. You need to quit. You've never been here before. You've never gone this far before. You can't do it. And, and what I did is, is what I'm saying to you today if you're going through a battle. I put my head down, and I kept pounding out the steps. At this stage, my knees were killing me. You see, this was in November, I think it was, late October, early November. And and we had all gone with shorts on. We, we were amateurs. We had no clue. We'd never done anything like that before. <laughs> and as, as we walked in middle of November and, and temperatures of, uh, of five or six degrees, we were freezing. And my knees were starting to seize at this stage. But I kept going. I persevered. I kept, I, I distracted my focus from the barriers being taken down, the water stations being coming in, the roads being reopened up, and I kept my focus on a finish line that was just six miles away. Moral of the story is I finished. I wasn't last. Amen? See, we have to stay focused in our race. We have to remember Hebrews chapter 12 that says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Come on, they're saying. You can make it. Just another few miles. The breakthrough, the victory, the finish line is just around the corner. Keep on going. Here's the thing. If you want to win, win the race, you've got to stay focused. You've got to cross the finish line. Just watch an Olympic champion and see how they stay focused on their race. Whether it be Usain Bolt's or Michael Phelps, when they're in a race, they have this thing, if you ever look at them, called the eye of the tiger. 
As Usain Bolt is in his blocks, he's not talking to the runner on his left or on his right. He's completely focused on the finish line. When Michael Phelps is about to dive into the swimming pool, he's not shaking hands or, or hugging either swimmer on either side. He's got his eye on the finish line. They don't care about the thousands in the stadium. They're not interested in the millions watching online or on TV. They don't care about the man in the next lane. All they're concerned about is the finish line and getting there first. They are totally focused on their race. And that is how we have to be if we want to finish our race, totally focused on Jesus. Regardless of what's going on on your left or on your right, regardless of the distractions that the enemy is thrown against you, you've got to keep your eyes focused on winning the race. We have to learn to focus on and to tune, or to focus out, should I say, and tune out the distractions that the enemy is constantly thrown at us. One day Jesus had just finished ministering to, to the multitudes of people, thousands of people, and he said in Matthew chapter 14, as he cleared up the, the stragglers, he, he said in verse 22, he said, Jesus had made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. When he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Or as I like to say, contrary. You know, when Angela and I got married, from really from that point on, we, we took holidays every year. And our favorite destination then, and probably still is today, is to go to London. But we didn't fly then, we used to take the boat. And listen, if you've never taken the boat over to Wales and the train into London, let me recommend it. It is the absolute best way to travel. Yeah, I know it's slow, but it's amazing. I mean, for us, if when we go to, to London, when we fly, if we have a meeting or stuff like that on, I mean, we have to get up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, which means we don't sleep the night before. Then we have to drag the lads out of bed and, and they're all sleepy and we, we load up the car at four o'clock and we get on the road at half past four and, and we're up in the airport by six o'clock or a little bit after three hours before the flight goes and then you have to park three miles away from the terminal and we have to get a bus into the terminal then we have to drag our bags in. We have to put our bags through security, put ourselves through security, stand in the line, emptying our bags to make sure we get all of our, our, our uh, liquids out of our bag and electronics out of our bag. And, and then we're hoping we haven't forgotten something. And then we're standing there waiting to get called forward in this big, long queue that takes 20 minutes, half an hour. And then we finally get through the big long queue and then we're, we're either standing there hoping that, you know, they don't pick you out of the queue to give you the frisk down. Then eventually you get through and you still have an hour and a half to wait. You get on the plane and you still have to sit on the plane for 25 minutes, half an hour or longer for the plane to take off. And then you arrive in London. Yeah, you arrive in London before the person who went on the ferry a few hours but you're absolutely knackered. You're so tired. All you're fit for doing is, is, is sleeping that day. 
Whereas when you go on the boat, for us, boat goes out at half past six, we get up at half five. We leave the house at six o'clock. We're down for the boat at, at 20 past six. I mean, it's all such a breeze. You walk onto the boat, you find a lovely, comfortable seat, or you walk around and you sail across. It's amazing. Try it sometime if you have time. But we've been on the boat many times and it's been so calm, so tranquil, it's been amazing. But a few times we've been on the boat and it's been a storm. And if you've ever been on a boat in the middle of the Irish Sea during a storm, a couple of things come to your mind. The smell of sick and the smell of fear. Because a storm causes sickness and it causes fear. <laughs> Praise God. Verse 25. At this stage, the disciples are fearful. They're in the middle of the sea and it's kicking up a storm. And they are more than a little scared. And it says in verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, or between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Can you see this scene? Can you picture this scene in your mind? When I read the Word of God, I like to picture it. I like to put myself there. I make it 3D. I'm great at all that in my own head. So I'm watching this scene now. And maybe at, at 4 a.m. in the night, the disciples were already on the sea. At this stage, up to six hours. And, and it didn't take that long to cross it. It took maybe an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two. And for the best part of the six hours that they've been on the sea, they've been absolutely battered by this storm. Huge storm that came up out of nowhere. And to say the least, I think they were a little bit scared. They were scared for their lives. And out of the darkness, in the middle of this storm, they spot this figure coming walking towards them on the sea. And they were terrified. They thought that Jesus was a ghost. And they did what every one of us would have done in that circumstance, in that situation, in that scene. They cried out for fear. But isn't Jesus amazing? Look what he did. Knowing that they were afraid because of this storm and thinking that he was a ghost, he immediately spoke to them and he said, cheer up lads. Don't worry. It's me. Jesus, knowing that the, they were terrified by the storm. These were seasoned fishermen, some of them. They shouldn't have been afraid of a little storm like that. But they were terrified of it. They were terrified because they thought that Jesus was a ghost. They thought they were going to die. Jesus said, don't worry about it, lads. It's just me. I'm here. Don't worry. Cheer up. And that's what Jesus does for you and I when we go through fearful times. When we cry out, Jesus says, don't worry, I'm here for you. It's me, I've got this. You know, and isn't it something that Jesus didn't take them out of the storm before he told them 
to focus on him. Right there in the middle of the storm, in the dead of the night, at their most frightened, Jesus told them to keep their eyes on him. You know when you go through storms in life, and when they become unbearable, when your greatest desire is for Jesus to take you out of that circumstance or situation, I want you to remember that Jesus is there with you right in the middle of that circumstance and situation. And he wants you in the middle of it to focus on him. But when we're going through the storm, we need to remember that Jesus is calling on us from the middle of the storm. Keep your eyes on me. Don't worry. Cheer up. I've got this. You know, I love Peter. For, for me, Peter is such an inspirational man who put his foot in it more often than not with Jesus. We never read of, I don't believe, of any other apostle who put his foot in it more often with Jesus than Peter. But what I love about Peter is he never gave up. He always came back to Jesus time and time again. And verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And what I love about Peter is that out of the 12 men on that boat that night that nearly drowned, that were scared for their lives, Peter still stood up and called out to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said in verse 29, he said, Come. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Do you know in all of history, only two people have ever walked on water? Jesus, the Son of God, the Alpha, the Omega, the creator of the universe. And Peter, who usually just took his foot out of his mouth just to change it over for the other one. But he walked on the water. And I think we all miss something so important when we read this story. And that is we focus more on the fact that Peter sank. And we miss out on the fact that, Jesus, that Peter walked on water. We miss that. Peter got down out of the boat in the middle of the storm when they were still afraid for their lives and they were still struggling to get control of this storm when the wind was heavy and the waves were high and the rain was lashing and the lightning and the thunder, Peter still got down out of the boat, put his foot on the water, focused on Jesus and took steps on liquid water and walked towards Jesus. God wants us in the middle of our storm when everything is going wrong around you, when, when it seems like things are just getting worse, when the storm is at its heaviest, God wants us to trust Him and to keep our eyes focused on the author and finisher of our faith. You see, we could all focus on this coronavirus and what it's doing to our country and the world. We could focus on our government's response and the fact that life hasn't been normal since February, and to be honest, we don't know when life will be normal again. We could focus on our finances, the finances of our nation, the infection rate, the fact that our churches, our, our locations are physically closed again. But here's the thing. 
if our focus is on anything but Jesus, we will sink. You see, our focus has to be completely on Jesus. The world can be collapsing all around us, but, but our focus needs to be so much so on Jesus that when our world is collapsing around us that we don't even bat an eyelid. You see, just as with Lot's wife, God doesn't want us to look at the storm around us. He wants us to keep our eyes on Him. Verse 30 says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, quite naturally. As Peter was walking on the water towards Jesus and the, and the wind and the waves were all around him still, I think the enemy saw God's creation walking on the water, heading towards Jesus. And I'd say he was more than a little jealous. And he decided to hit Peter with a wave. And that wave brushed off Peter or the wind caught the side of Peter's face or there was a big clap of thunder or a big flash of light. And, and I think for a second, Peter just took his eyes off of Jesus and focused on his natural surroundings. And when Peter took his focus off of Jesus, he started to sink. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 in the New Century Version. It says, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Don't use your mouth to tell lies. Don't ever say things that are not true. Keep your eyes focused on what is right and look straight ahead to what is good. When you go through storms, you have to stop allowing the enemy to distract you because all he's trying to do is pull you away from Jesus. We've got to trust in and focus on Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer. Verse 30, again, it says in the second part of it, it says, in the beginning to sink, Peter cried out and said, Lord, save me. And immediately, it says, immediately, right away, right there and then, Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him. You know what's so great about God? Just because we take our focus off God doesn't mean he takes his focus off us. And when we get to a circumstance or a situation in life when things get so bad, when things all around us start collapsing around us, we need to keep our focus on God. And let me encourage you today, if you've taken your focus off God over these last number of weeks or months or even days, let me encourage you to refocus on God again because He's never taken His eyes off of you. One last scripture, Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6, it says, Be strong and of good courage, do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Church, or even if you're not a member of this church, I want you to remember, in this season, in the stuff that we're going through, this storm that we're all navigating through, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You know, if you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord, you can do so right now. The Word of God says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you believe now today that Jesus came to this earth and died for your sins, then you need to confess Him as Lord and Savior. Pray this prayer after me. It's very simple. But if you do and you believe it, then you will be saved. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I acknowledge that I have sinned and I come to you right now asking for and receiving 
forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you rose from the dead and are alive today. Right now, I open the door of my heart and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. You are now my Lord and my Savior. Please take control of my life from here forward and make me into the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, drop it into the comments there. Let us know that you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you want, you can email us at info at alivechurch.ie. There you can let us know that you've made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life and we contact you this week and we'll get some stuff out to you. Also, I want to encourage you that if this is the first time you've come to Alive Church, be sure to check out alivechurch.ie. That's our website. Go on to Facebook. You'll find us there at Alive Church Ireland and also on our YouTube channel at Alive Church Ireland. Like it, subscribe to it, and share it. Share it with people because we want people to be able to hear this message, this message of hope as we go through this great time of, of discouragement, this time of confusion and fear. We want people to contact us. We want people to connect with us in this time. Let me pray a final prayer and blessing over you this day. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.